This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right. Welcome to Guitar Talk, everybody. I am Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Ah... I tell you what, this is going to be a really interesting show for you. You know, every now and then, you know, we get somebody on here that that, uh, is really well-rounded. You know, he knows a lot about gear. He knows a lot about the music industry. He's a great player. He's the senior vice president of sales for a music company. Plus, you know, he's been signed to EMI in the past, and he's toured, and he's pretty much done everything. One of the things I find fascinating is that he moved from L.A. uh, to the Muscle Shoals area, and now he's got two musical projects going on uh, in that region. Uh, He's got a uh, band called the In Theory Band, and then he's working with Lanisha, who is a singer from uh, Stevie Wonder. She sang backup for Stevie Wonder, an incredibly talented singer. And so, uh, man, and both projects are really, <laughs> really good. Now, if you saw my video uh, ad for for Mike, uh, you, you saw him really kicking it on the guitar, man. And, th- and that was on a sawtooth guitar um, and you know that's the company that he's the uh, senior vice president of sales for is the company that encompasses sawtooth guitars the other thing that's interesting about this guy is he is the guy behind the go-go tuners which uh, you know you're going to be able to see a demo uh, on guitar talk tv of the go-go tuners you can go there and and see that it's actually a really great tuner and i know we don't put a lot of thought into tuners sometimes but uh they did and uh, i'm really glad they did because it's really been the best tuner that i've ever used and it's been the only tuner (laughs) i've used that i've been able to see uh you know i'm blind as a bat you know and so when you're on stage and you're doing your thing you know it's sometimes they're hard to see this one you can see really clearly but there's a lot of great things about the tuner. But I digress right now. We need to get into this interview. His name is uh, Mike Moseret, and uh, he is extremely talented. And I think you're really going to enjoy this because we dive into a lot of things. And he's got a lot of knowledge. And so I think that you're going to walk away with some nuggets of, of uh, guitar goodness here. So uh, <laughs> so let's just jump right in. Here we go. Here's Mike. Thank you very much. Nice nice guitars there. 
What's that black one hanging on the wall behind you there? That one is uh, one of those sawtooth um, heritage series. Oh yeah, I, 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 thought cool they, I thought the headstock looked a little different. Yeah, that's, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a pretty cool guitar. In the the have... one the one that's like a strap there with the tuner on the head is that a sawtooth too? This one right here next to me, the tele. Yeah, yeah. This one, a yeah, this is sawtooth. And then I have um, this fine little Martin behind me. Yeah. And then I have a, uh, can't see here, but I got a Takamini right there. Oh, yeah, very and, cool. You know, it's with a low pro profile <laughs> neck. Yeah. And then I got this little thing here that was at one point a, um, a Fernandez, but it was a prototype that they made for me for um, way back when I had the hair metal days of do a signature model with them. It was, uh -huh. um, it was a Mike model that became, I think, a Monterey for them, but it's like a, a Paul Reese Smith, but it's the 24 fret, really small neck. So, and I have really big hands, so it's yeah, it, you can fly, but it's a very, <laughs> but it's a very, um, very unforgiving guitar. So, you know, oh, when really? you land, if you just vibrato a little bit, you're you're out. Yeah. But um, so yeah, you have to be very. Uh, some aspects is, is you have to be very gentle, but it's great if you want to bend up like a fret and a half, two frets, and really, yeah, dig up or dig down. It's it's a beautiful thing for me. Well, so you just said that back in the hair metal days, mm -hmm. the hair metal days. What was that like? I mean, were you were you in were you in a variety of bands? Were you were you touring? You know, doing that or yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, what was that? I was signed. I was signed to EMI. Uh, it was a band called Big Mouth that had, had two G's because you know back back then you you know if you're big it's two G's if you're a Fox you got two X's you know you right, know you know right. right and I had the big you know the bigger the better you know acquainted it all out hair to the shoulder it means actually I mean to my waist wow and, um, and I, I called the the other arrow the, the you know the lost arrow Mike. <laughs> and uh it, it was exactly what you what you think it would have been you know and um but yeah it was uh yeah we were signed to emi and toured all over the world and and um prior to that i was in a band that got signed just in europe but it was more like a queen's right type of band yeah and um in between that for a very short stint i was in the um the chris angel band you know the magician oh really yeah, and we basically we were—he was doing the same thing that he was doing now, but um, but it was like um, picture the hair metal version of that. Of, you know, he, obviously he went a little bit more goth, a little bit more mysterious. Yeah. But and then his, you know, and the songs were kind of very interesting. It was very much like Poison. Yeah. You know, very very. Um, you know, not not lyrically deep, <laughs> right? Italy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but it was a lot of fun. You know, we, we got to disappear on stage, and you know, you come in a you know the big mirror ball and come up flames, and you know, and it, it was actually cool. I mean, some aspects of it was cool because it was, um, I mean, our our stage show rivaled something that Kiss would use. I, I literally had, uh, it's non exaggeration, my side of the stage had forty Marshall stacks. Wow. And the bass player's side had the same thing. We had the drums that went up and down, forward and back. Um, and we had, and, you know, he, I would say not we, he, he really had, you know, 
we had nothing at that, that point, you know, he was still trying to make a name for himself. And we could, if we could play to 200 people, yeah. I would say that that would be a lot at that time, you know, but, uh, and then, you know, and then like I said, and then I got signed to EMI with the band Big Mouth, which later became that band in theory, which I'm working with the same singer from Big Mouth and doing the music that we're doing now with, with the guys from the Swampers and Missing Persons and all those guys and Muscle Shoals. So now it's, it's really just, it's cool. I, I mean, I really, um, we've really just progressed and evolved, you know, we're, we're like I told uh, Tony Cavino, the singer, I said, well, I, if we're going to do it, I don't want to do an 80s metal thing. You know, and there's so many influences and styles that have, you know, that have, you know, that have just come into my life and, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that you absorb over time. Yeah. And I want to do something that reflects now. And I'm not sure if you heard any stuff where I'm not sure if I had sent you any, any tracks, but it's, you know, it's, it's like a good, a good meal. Like it's, uh, if you took like, you know, one tablespoon of Soundgarden, you know, two two teaspoons of Zeppelin, a little bit of Muscle Shoals. You take a little <laughs> bit of Gospel. You add a little Tom Morello in there, and yeah. there you go. And and um, and it's just like 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 a good meal. If you put too much pepper, too much paprika, right. it doesn't taste good. Right. And, and and you can tell like when people are hearing it, the reaction is like, oh, this sounds very familiar. And they can hear all the influences, but they they're not hearing the blend that we were able to, to to you know to create, and that's one thing. And then the other band um, is one doing with um, Lanisha Latimer from Steve. She's been the singer for uh, you know this little guy Stevie Wonder for you know fourteen years. Just or so. a little guy. Yeah, a little a little dude. <laughs> and um, so her and I are, are doing like this this R and B um, you know type of music. And uh, it's been a, a good adventure for both of us as well, because she's never been exposed to really rock music. And I'm telling her, hey, do you ever hear this from Alice in Chains? Do you ever hear this from this band? And, and, and we'll go back and forth. We're just trading influences that we both never heard. And, yeah. and, and, and getting to watch her reaction to hearing it for the first time. She's like, oh, my God, I never knew this. And she's just taking notes of all these different singers. And so and she's actually taking some of the influences of Tony and Tony's taking influences of her. She started off as doing the, um, the backgrounds on the, the in theory record with, with Tony and I. Yeah. And when I heard her sing, I was like, no, you, you got to step out from, from behind. We, we got to make you a star. And I've, I've never been an R and B guy per se. And I'm like, I'm going to write you an R and B song. Let's write it. And then we yeah. started from there. And then, um, you know, we put that out on the initial go-go record and then just kept evolving to finally where I brought her out to, to Muscle Shoals. And then I got the, like the original Swampers, you know, you know like David Hood and, and Clayton and, and all those guys. Yeah. Um, and so you, it's, a, it's an interesting combination. And then, you know, I called him the kid and Justin Holder on drums and he's been on, you know, maybe a thousand records or so, something like that. But he's the, the next generation of the Swampers. He's about 40, but he's been on about a thousand records. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so it's been a really cool experience and um, for everybody, you know, so. Yeah, it, it's got to be a unique transition from metal hair bands to Muscle Shoals. You know oh, what totally. I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, but the influences of music in that, you know, from, from, that, from that location within itself could, you know, uh, really take 
probably take what you're doing or what you've been doing to a completely different level. You know oh, absolutely. I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely did. And it was just something I was not, um, you know, I, I don't know when the transition happened, but yeah. it, it did happen. And um, it wasn't like I was setting out to, to change. It was all of a sudden I'm hearing, I'm doing Delta blues slide and, and I'm getting to play it for you know, these, these older blues guys are in their seventies and eighties and, you know, and the funny thing in Muscle Shoals, it's very much like like Nashville. I would think it's it's very similar. You can go to the drive through you can go to Walmart, and this guy is check, you know, you know, at, at a cashier could be a guy who had five number one records, or yeah, you never know who is who. And I remember <laughs> I would leave the sessions at three in the morning, go through the drive through and I would, and this is when the first part of the record, and, and um, I was doing like this. this the slide part, almost like a Jeff Healy. I put the, uh, um, essentially, I forgot my, I have, to, I have to tell the truth. I forgot my slide going to the session. Ooh. And and I, and I took an acoustic and I put it on my lap and I took a, um, a AAA battery. Yeah. And that's why I did all the slide is that. <laughs> and, and because it's so hard to control because it's such a small size, AAA, yeah. It's, you're, it's it's actually the way it it uh, hits the strings. It's mimicking a resonator, like it's like a metal thing. So it actually sounds quite authentic. I mean, wow. I was playing it for these old blues guys. They were like, "Wow, this is like real Mississippi stuff here." And so I, I knew I was I was going to something with those guys. <laughs> and um and you know and then like I said it and like you said as well. I mean. All of a sudden, here I am. I'm conducting the, you know, like the Alabama Orchestra. I'm writing R&B. I'm doing, you know, Latin pop songs, and then incorporating rock. I'm just all these things were coming out. Maybe that's always been inside of me, but I think yeah. it took the adventure of being here and maybe around people. And you know, and you know what I think, Jimmy? I think it's the the caliber of musicianship in such a small area is. I think it's unprecedented for, you know, I think anywhere in the world, I mean, even Nashville is a little bit spread out and even, you know, and that's a yeah. small thing. I mean, of course, you know, being from LA, it's really spread out. Hmm. Um, but here, I mean, you can go in a, a 10 mile radius, 15 mile radius. And um, it's, you know, the highest tier musician. Um, but, but the interesting thing is without the glitz or glamor of, of a, you know, in LA or New York or Chicago or, or Nashville, yeah. it's people that really just, they, they play from the heart, but they're at like this level, and, but they don't have to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm this great guitar player. I'm this great bass player. They're just, you know, yeah. and it's just one after the other. And, um, and I remember like, you know, Tony uh, and Lanisha both got that experience when I brought them out that they were like, Oh my God, like listen to that guy play. And next thing you go, listen to that play. And, you can see, you can see it just, it really moves people here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, there's something about it. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know if it's the area in that, but there's something about the South when it comes to musicianship. I'm going to give you, for instance, uh, I don't know if you if you know Ricky Medlock. Uh, he's from Leonard oh, yeah. Skinner, right? Right, right. You know, and, uh, you know, it, 
the the and some of the other guys that I know in some of the other southern type rock bands or country bands from you know the south region whether it's Mississippi or Georgia or Florida or whatever they all grew up from early early ages completely surrounded by amazing musicianship and like for him you know his grandfather was you know uh, playing with all these really really big name people to the point to where you know, Ricky's playing banjo at the age of four, you know, in yeah, in a band a on national TV. And and all I'm trying to say by that is, is it seems like you wouldn't think it that somewhere like in Jacksonville, Florida or Muscle Shoals or wherever it is, that there would be this like really deep rooted history of, you know, insane musicianship. But there is there's pockets yeah. throughout the South where there's just some you know, amazingly talented people. And yeah, well, what people don't realize too, I mean, this is sort of the, uh, you know, W.C. Handy, right? The, yeah. He's the, the godfather of, uh, of blues, you know, yeah. he's Muscle Shoals. Yeah. You know, or if you, you know, or even you take like, um, you know, Sam Phillips and Jerry Phillips, I mean, they're Muscle Shoals, you know, you, yeah. you think Memphis, no, but they're, they're Muscle Shoals as well. Exactly. I don't know why. I mean, I, I get Beale Street. I played down there many, many times, played at the Blues Music Awards and everything. But, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think of Memphis as a blues town. You know, I never have. You know what I mean? I really have. And right. I look at you look at Clarksdale right across the border. To me, that's that's a blues town. You know what I mean? And, right. Uh, and where you are, you know, I, I think I think of that as like a is like a, a a blues and soulful kind of location. I just never, I don't know. I yeah. just never thought of Memphis as that. You know, I think somebody probably just gave it that name because people pass through. Right, for sure. sure. <laughs> I shouldn't say yeah. that. I'm going to get hate mail for that. <laughs> but you know what they're they're actually doing here? It's going to be um, they're about two years out, three years out. They're actually. Um, well, they already paved all the roads, so it'll probably be within two years, but they're starting the construction. But they're building a, um, I think it's either a 5,000-seater or 7,000-seater amphitheater right on the water oh, wow. in, out here in Sheffield, so literally three miles from where I am. And they're building an event center and restaurant row. And the reason I brought that up as well is because the person who designed Beale Street is making the uh, the restaurant row. Yeah. So it's... Um, I think it'll be, it'll be good for this town. And, um, you know, cause it's as much as I think it's, it's great for music. It's a tough place. You know, it's, it's an economically depressed area, Yeah. but, um, but it's a great place to, to make music. And I think what also makes this place, at least to my perception, what makes it kind of unique where, as you know, in New York or, you know, Chicago, you know, LA, you know, a lot of major studios have gone out of business. Yeah. You know, and with the technology is so great these days, people, you know, recording records from their, their house or from yeah. their garage or, but here there, there's more and more major studios opening up. Yeah. So obviously fame is doing their thing. Muscle Shoals sound. Uh, they put a lot of money back into that where I recorded the majority of the records called East Avalon uh, recorders. And the owner of East Avalon came from North Carolina and he bought East Avalon and he bought Widget. He restored both to the original, you know, what, you know, condition to where they were. And then you got um, Wishbone and Wishbone is, 
working, you know, as a full functioning studio. And then you got the Ivy Mansion right, right on the river. You got Cypress Moon, you got the Nut House. And I think there's, there's a few other ones, but, and again, a seven, eight mile radius. You have all these major studios within a mile from each other. Everybody's like three or four minutes from each other. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And I think that's quite unique. It it is it is, and I think that'll be. Uh, I didn't know that they were planning, you know, uh, a, a theater, you know, kind of place down there with that. What you're talking about, a restaurant row. I think that would be actually actually really really nice because it would probably draw a lot of people down. Oh that yeah, way. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think people would add it to their tours, right? So if they're coming down to Nashville, they'll add Muscle Shoals to either Chattanooga or down to Atlanta, right? They'll go and work the, the circuit. Yeah. Because right now, uh, when uh, the Blues Music Awards take place, you know, in Memphis, uh, people from Chicago, all the blues people from Chicago go to Memphis, and when they're done in Memphis, they go to Clarksdale because everybody goes to Ground Zero, you know, the club that Morgan Freeman owns. You know? Oh, right, sure. Yeah. yeah, and everybody goes there, and so it could be a natural could be a natural step just to go to Muscle Shoals, you know, after that. Yeah, it's only two hours away, sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. So I, I got to ask you, you know, uh, your, your life has kind of been centered around music. You've, you know, you've been in all these bands and you've done all this great stuff. What made you uh, want to build tuners? <laughs> <laughs> what led you to, to, to build the first... Uh, here it is right here. Go, go tuner right there. The horizon. Yeah. The horizon. Well, it's a, it's a very long story. So, you know, like, like we were talking about back in the day, you know, I was signed, but I also knew I was at that point in my life, I was not going to make it in in music. So basically I just immersed myself, you know, in, in the comp, in my companies and worked my way up, you know, in different companies to you know, higher positions. And then I um, created my own uh, rep company, you know, in, in the music retail business. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, I was putting two and two together. I'm like, you know, I'm doing what I have all these clients. You know, what what can I, what product can I make, you know, for myself? Because if I'm selling on behalf of a manufacturer, you're getting only X amount of percentage. Right. And um, and I was going back and forth to um, to Europe. Um, and you know, because Europe has the music message shows, and then in China, and I was thinking, what can I make? And I was thinking about different guitar lines. I was just all these different things. And then one day, you know, as people who, who know me, um, once again, I dare we're rolling with it. And I go, I, I want to make a tuner, and that was step one. And then I said, well, but I, I want to make something different, you know. And um, so, like in, in our case. Um, you know, the, the, really the thing that makes a few things that makes the go-go quite unique is um, it's the largest screen tuner on, on the planet. And we just make, always make a joke that you can see from the space station is one. And, um, and, and the second thing is we, we've also provided a solution where you can also see it in direct sunlight. Yeah. You know, so, those, you know, for the guys that, like, that, that do a lot of touring, obviously, the, yeah. you know, it's, it's important to them. So that was, you know, a couple of things. But when I first started doing the tuner company, I really wanted to do my, my due diligence. And um, I went and I bought, and we started off with the clip on, which actually is this one right here. 
this TT1. Yeah. And um, I went out and I bought, I think, almost every single clip-on on the planet. I had about 200, 250 clip-ons. Yeah. And when I first started at my old place, I had a spiral staircase. And I had every clip-on, I mean, literally clipped onto my spiral staircase. And um, I would, you know, I, I'd come home and, and I'd go, okay, what's catching my eye? You know, um, without thinking, what's catching my eye? And then I, I'd see things. And then I'd turn them all on. And then I'm, I would look at reaction times. I'm like, okay, I, I like how this reacts. And, you know, and I was just singling out and making notes, what I like, what I don't like, you know, and keeping notes as I was going on. It was a 14-month process. Wow. And... Um, at the time, you know, when I, you know, I was with my ex-wife, I would drive her crazy because I would go and I would try to do like a, like an A note. I'd come along, I'd go, ah, and I'd watch the thing. <laughs> so after three or four months of that, she was like, really? Like, I know it's going to happen when you come in the door. And um, so finally, like, I narrowed it down to, I mean, even on our couple, it may not mean a lot to a lot of people, but it, it meant a lot to me that on the average, you know, when the tuner is in tune and, and holding a, a note, um, it's usually in between like a 1.5 to 1.8 seconds and ours was at 2.3. So once you're in tune, it's holding it a little bit longer. So you can, so you don't have to, you know, hit the note again. You're yeah. in tune. That, that was, that was a, a really big thing for me. Um, having it react quickly was another big thing for me. Yeah. You know, because I know, you know, especially in the, you know, the bass guys or guys using a baritone guitar where it's not picking up the low frequencies. Yeah. Um, you know, with ours, I mean, it will go down to a baritone guitar. It will actually tune a five-string bass. And that also goes for, you know, like the, the horizon. So that that was the steps I was taking. And then as far as, um, you know, we, we were known as the orange tuner, which was, uh, and, and that was also deliberate because I was, at the time I was studying, uh, there was this great book, I forgot what the name of it was, um, the name of it, but basically it's, it's theoretically, it's the art of thinking without thinking. And a lot of times people or think they're, they're making decisions on their own, but they're actually hardwired to make a decision based on color, based on shape, based on, could be anything. could be if it's placed here or placed here, there, there's things you, you know, in, in our DNA, that's going to make you go to this thing or to this color. That's why like, if you go to, um, you, know, you just drive down the street, how many signs are red? No. You know, or if you go into the real estate market, more houses are sold with red doors than, than, than without red doors. Yeah. And, you know, and again, the, the human brain is wired for that, you know, um, that why it is, I'm not sure, but it, it is. And um, <laughs> so at the time when I was coming out with the tuner, Sure enough, um, there's one of the chapters was based on the color red, and it was stressing red and red. But sure enough, at the time, the number one tuner in clip-ons was you know a red tuner. Nah. So I couldn't use red. So my logic was the next color over would in, in a rainbow would be orange. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, uh, you know, orange is you know was was interesting to me, and. Um, you know, it's definitely memorable and it'll definitely stand out. It's almost red, but it'll, I think it'll even pop further. And then there was a few things that just 
you know, if we want to call it, um, you know, happy accidents or fate or, or other things. And um, not even, it could have been like a half hour later, hour later, I was watching the History Channel and they were doing a documentary on Home Depot and their colors were orange. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting a sign. Home Depot, they're orange. We could go with orange. And my dad used to restore cars, you know, muscle cars. And one of the cars was a, um, a 67 Opel GT. They looks like, like a Corvette, a little bit smaller. Uh-huh. So our orange petals are actually the color of his Opel GT. That'd be darn. And, you know, and then also there was a few other things of the, like the word tuners also associated with, mu- with muscle cars. There's, there's an association with the words and cars, if you look up tuner. And then coming up with go-go was um, interesting because I, I feel like that also ties into the retro muscle car color. And the word, you know, for me, for the word go-go represents like the late 60s, you're thinking laughing, Goldie Hawn, you got the go-go right. boots. And at the time, you know, when, um, you know, with, with my, my ex-wife, um, you know, she, by the way, she was a great musician as well, but she, um, she did this whole thing of like a sixties, like flight attendant act. And I was, and she was, you know, I had to help her shop for uh go-go boots. So I'm like, wow, go-go. Yeah. Perfect. You know, it just click all these little things click. And, um, so like the retro and everything seemed to click and, um, you know, and you know, it's really funny and I'll never correct anybody ever on this. There's, there's musicians who still swear to God that they were using my tuners in the sixties and early seventies. And as we know, the clip on didn't come out. You know, right. The very first one didn't come out until the mid nineties or, or a pedal, right? You only had like, really like the Pearson or you had the early boss TU 12 and, and so forth. But people swear the guy that they were using my pedals in the late sixties, early seventies. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I took over the company. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, a couple of the key things that you pointed out about the tuner are a couple of things that that I really like about it. I I like the screen on it, most definitely. I I actually put this on my pedal board and gave it a test drive at a couple of rehearsals, you know what I mean, for some shows I got going on in that. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, because I... I, I'm, you know, I've, I got diabetes and so I have, I have, you know, issues with lighting, you know, and vision and stuff like that, right. you know, it's just because I'm old, you know, and got these <laughs> right, issues. Right. but I could see it clear as day, you know what I mean? Even with, cause I wear glasses without my glasses on, like right now I could see it clear as day. Cause I don't like to play with my glasses on if I don't have to, and I can see it clear as day. But the other thing that I noticed was something that you pointed out. I would I would pluck the string and I would put it in put it into tune and I'm so accustomed to hitting that string two or three or four more times, you know what I mean to to right. readjust and readjust and just to make sure. And I noticed that when I hit the string and I put it into tune and I hit the string again, it was in tune. You know what I mean? I didn't have right. to like go through the process over and over again. I could just you know on the fly you know just put it in the put it in the tune and I didn't have to worry about it and which was unusual for me because you know right. I'm not you know I hate to say that I've been using the uh, 
uh, the uh, the TC Helicon, you know, the okay. TC yeah. Electronics. I mean, you know, the Poly, yeah, whatever the poly it is. Tune. Right. You know, I'm talking yeah, the Poly Tune in that, and it, 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 not to slam that one at all, but I mean, this one was so much easier to see, and this one put it in the tune so much. It made it so much easier to put it in the tune quick. You know that uh, man. It was just it was just really nice. Yeah, and that that was important for me too in the design was to make it, um, it was, you know my my always my thought process is always it's simple as simple as king, mm-hmm. you know even in a great song right even like you know you talk about Beatles and Paul McCartney you know, like it was like a simple lullaby that you can remember or mm-hmm. let it be three words you remember that forever but um, but with um, but for me, it was just really important. I just felt, again, the tuner world, I thought that a lot of manufacturers, and I'll exaggerate the point. You'll know what I'm talking about. They, they have tuners that will, you know, tune, you know, six strings, a tuner that will give you strobe mode, half a mode, this mode, all these different things. Um, and, and I go, you know, and I said, yeah, they have tuners that will make coffee for you as well. You know, just hit the button, it'll make coffee. And, um, but for me, it's just I just wanted something that was simple because I feel like who cares about all that stuff? My my what I had in mind was can I get if I was a musician? No, well, I am a musician, but I want to get most important thing is people want to hear you play guitar. They don't want to see you tune. Right. They don't care if you have all the bells and whistles. And what's going to be the easiest thing from getting you from A to B, getting you to out of tune to in tune. And that, that was a very important thing. Just keep it so that's why you'll see like the red pops and the green pops when, you know, so again, from a peripheral vision. And what I noticed, um, a lot of artists, even acoustic artists, a lot of acoustic artists, even though they have a, a tuner, you know, built in, you know, just, just like that guitar here, yeah. um, they will still prefer to use a pedal tuner because from a peripheral vision, they can see it. And um, so they can still a lot, you know, you know, a lot of singers, you know, like to have, you know, they like to speak in between songs or they do, you know, they're doing, they're doing their things in between the songs they're telling stories. And so now, you know, so what, you know, the, the thought process is from a peripheral vision, they can see if their attitude and in tune is still maintained, put on the show and then get to the song. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I've never been a fan of the clip-ons, and it's and it's it's purely because you know I, I don't know what it is. I I just I've had bad luck with them. You know, most of the ones that I've had, I probably just bought cheap, crappy ones. You know, and they end up falling apart. Or they end up busting up Always. pretty easy, yep. and uh, and you know, and, and I'm I'm old-fashioned. I'm not. I don't really want to look at the headstock on my guitar. If I'm out playing now, if I'm I'm around the house or if I'm in a rehearsal or something like that, that might be completely different. But if I'm doing right. a gig, you know what I mean. I want to be able to 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 look down when I need to and put this thing in tune. And I tell you what, like I said, when I use this uh, during our rehearsals and that, it was it was really simple. And and you're exactly right. Guitar players, even though they're they're going after something specific, they really want to get there the simplest way possible. You, right. you know what I mean? And that's the way it is with just about any pedals. It's like uh, uh, there's there's an overdrive pedal that I absolutely love. It's called the Ethos Overdrive, 
And if you've seen it, it's like a miniature computer. You know what I mean? It was built by a NASA engineer in that it's an amazing pedal. And I use it, but I don't use it out live because it's so complicated that if something All was right. to happen to it, you know what I mean? It would take a minute to dial it back in as opposed to just being able to do something real quick, couple couple of turns of a knob or whatever, and bam, there you right. go. Exactly. Especially yeah. live. Right. Yeah, especially live. And this is right. this is a really a great – and you've thought of everything. Really, you've thought of everything when it comes to the tuner. I mean, you got the calibration, you got DC in and out, you got a, a you know, a, you know, the things, the things built really nice, you know, the construction of it's really nice, the, the button on it's really nice, getting to the battery pack is, is really simple in that. I mean, it's put together really well, you know, and I, I never, heavy duty. Yeah. huh? It's pretty heavy duty. It is. It is. I can yeah. see why all the guys that you have, you know, all those great players that are using it, you know, are using it because, uh, right. you know, and it makes a huge difference when you're out there and you're playing live and you're touring and stuff. Or even if you're in the studio, you know, you don't want your, you don't want your shit to fall apart or, you know, right. have to go back and tune and tune and tune and tune because your tuner isn't, you know, calibrating right or, you know, isn't working. Functioning. And how many people have a heavy foot, especially on stage? Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. As, as you know, you know, how it, I mean, it's, you know, people, people have a heavy foot. <laughs> yeah. Now I you just know, leave when, it on. I just leave it on. You know what I mean? I just, right. I just leave it on and, and, uh, and it's so you can just tune on the fly, you know. I love that. So you've got a variety of different tuners, though, outside of just the Horizon. And I know right. you're showing the one there that's on the uh, guitar back there, but you've got more than that. Because I've noticed that you've yeah. got a variety of clip-ons and you've got a, a few different uh, pedal pedal models. Right. Yeah, we also have um, a black pedal tuner and we also have a orange, like the original ones that we made. Uh, that doesn't come with calibration, but it's you know lower price point, and those are the very first ones that we we came out. But those are vertical yeah. tuners, not no horizontal. And um, but the same thing, the functionality is the same. It's still um, from an aesthetic and, and vision uh, standpoint, it's the same. And then we also have a caliber pedal tuner, which essentially is the Horizon but vertical, which yeah. you do have the you know, calibration function. Um, and then we have several clip-ons, like here's a TT1, and we also have a black version. Um, and this one here, oh, actually, it's a mini, I'm not sure if you can see it, but it's actually a mini tuner, but it's really a back-of-the-headstock, I call it back-of-the-headstock tuner. Um, but all our screens are identical. So yeah. if you look at the functionality, even from our little mini clip-on, the way it, you, you see it, the visual is identical to our pedal, whether it's the horizon or, you know, the, you know, the, the original, the original, you know, orange and black pedals. Yeah. Which is nice because that, that once again, that was part of the problem that I had with some of the clip-ons. They were hard to see, you know, once again, it's, it's, it's probably not the tuner's fault. It's, it's my eyes, you know what I mean? But it seems like you've kind of, uh, made that easy for old blind guys like me. Oh, look, my, my, mine's a 2.5, so uh, it's still hard for me to see. 
But I was going to say too, the, the other thing that's very unique with our, oh, I'll just hold that up. Or I'll do, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do my, I'll do my Wayne's World, you know, there by you the way. <laughs> and, um, excellent. Excellent. Right. It's like, you know, whatever cam that they, they call that. But the, um, with the TT1 and, and the Mini, again, it's sort of the same thing like, like with the Horizon. There's always like a multi, there's a reason, there's a multifunction reason um, behind, you know, the whatever, the madness in my mind and, and making tuners. And one of the cool things, and both the Mini and, and the uh, TT1, when you're out of tune, like right now, I mean, it's, you can see the case glowing. Mm-hmm. And the screen is, is red. And, um, but once you're in tune, the casing stops glowing and the screen also changes color from red to green. So again, uh-huh. from peripheral vision, if you see that thing glowing, you know, you're out. If it's not glowing, you're in. Yeah. So if you don't know what note it is, you, you, just, you know, again, the corner of your eye, you can see. Yeah. See, that's so, genius. See, you're, you're a genius. Well, I, I don't know, about that, but um, but yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I've been the, called worse, so I appreciate it. I tell you what, though, the thing that's really cool is is that players are looking. You know, they're not only looking for the functional; they're also looking for something that's unique. You know what I mean? I hate to say, you know, you know how guys are that play. It's like they get a right. pedal and they get a pedal, and it's. And and it's 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 different. It's unique. It's maybe shaped different. It's it's got a different right. color to it or whatever. And you know, and it stands out. And I don't know. It just it just helps make you look cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you can't lose it. You know, even if it's not on, you put in a gig bag, you can't lose it. Yeah. And um, you know, the funny thing is, um, when when the show was still on, remember that? I'm not sure if you remember the show in Nashville that was on CNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we were the official tuner of that show. So on every episode, you'll see the go-go tuner. And I would always just watch the episode because many times they'll be in the kitchen, they'll be in the studio, on stage. And of course, you can always see the orange, no matter what. <laughs> but almost on every episode, you can see the orange. Yeah, That's really cool. cool. So, so what are there other pedal products? Are there other products that go-go offers? or that you have in the works outside of the tuners? Yeah, well, the what, we, what we're working on is actually, oh, it's this thing here. It's called the uh, Drop Spot. It still hasn't been released. It was supposed to be released earlier, but um, I decided to push it back because I keep, um, like I said, the other products took 14 months every time I design it. Yeah. Um, I always feel like I can make it better. But essentially, um, you know, we'll see it. So it looks like a flying saucer, but it's a um, USB rechargeable power supply. So it's perfect for the guys that are, you know, um, if you're, you know, obviously, well, hopefully now with the pandemic clearing up a little bit, um, it was made for those guys using a small pedal board. Yeah. So if you're using four or five pedals, this will actually power up four or five pedals. I've had it where it lasts about four days, five days, essentially. I slept yeah. it on. And again, you know, one of the, you know, the, my, my mind, how it works, again, is all about the aesthetics as well. So this little circle that was just glowing red, when you have full power, 
it's gr- it's green, so you know you have full power, and, and it's you know you know a bright green. As it gets a little bit less in power, you'll see that it starts changing from a, a green to almost like you know like a, a lighter orange, and then to a darker orange, to finally like a light red, and then once you're in red, you know you, maybe you have two songs to go. Yeah, you know, and um, <laughs> so yeah, and then this thing is great. I mean, it, it takes. If you're driving to a gig or if you're bringing your computer, it's just, you know, it's, you can charge it up by via USB. Yeah. And, and you're ready to go. You know? And so, and, and so it, how does it power the the pedals? Do the pedals plug into that? No, what the way I did, because, you know, the, um, the Horizon and all our pedal tuners also act as a power supply. So instead of plugging into the wall, you just plug the pedal tuner into, into the drop spot. And then he daisy chain the other pedals. I got it. I got it. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. I I actually went to a uh, a pedal board that is uh, a lithium battery operated, so that actually I have one right. I have I have a I have a shitload of them. I went to them a long time ago because when they first came out because of the. Uh, you know, I got sick and tired of changing batteries. Even, you know what, some people will argue, you know, you want batteries in certain pedals. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't buy into that, but I get it. So I went to I went to this, you know, which is lithium, right. bat, lithium battery operated. And so I can gotcha. plug this into the wall and it gives you 9 volt, 12 volt and 18, 24 volt. It holds about five pedals. And then they make one that's double in that right. so maybe i'm throwing you some ideas that you can maybe make a better one of these because uh this one's actually this one's actually good in that and i love it for that because i can charge it up and i can go do a gig i can go do a rehearsal i can do whatever i want and it comes right. in a bag and i uh i don't have to worry about getting power to my to my board i don't have to worry about cables i don't have to worry about batteries i don't have to worry about nothing i get home plug it in charge right. it up so it's just, it's it's kind of the same thing. That's really cool though because there's a lot of people that don't use pedal boards. There's a lot right. of guys that'll just use one or two pedals and they'll throw them on the floor, and that's nice. That now they don't have to worry about about any kind of batteries or anything like that. They can just yeah. Or or if say they go into a gig and you know that if it's you know they, they turn it on if it's not full power they know okay let me just plug it in for an hour while I'm driving to the gig and let me just get juiced up for the show and the pedal board down or non pedal or two pedals and you're ready to go let me ask you this could that thing can that, can you still use that to power other things like for instance could you power your laptop with it too or i don't know you can't no. do that there's no, no way you can... it, okay I, I i haven't experimented with that i, <laughs> I have it where it's uh a compliment a complimentary product to the to the like the horizon pedal tuner and Right. More on the pedal tuners or, or, or any, anything that's a power supply. Yeah. So, so, so if you can, you know, take any power supply, plug it into that, you know, you can get the daisy chain cables are very common from, you know, there's so many people that make the daisy chain cables and yeah. And there you go. You're all set to go. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. So when do you, when do you think that that's going to be available? Fingers crossed, you know, maybe October, November would be fingers yeah. crossed on that. Yeah. 
Oh, really cool. Really cool. Well, that'll be nice. And I, I'm going to guess, you know, since it's coming from you, it's going to be offered in a couple of different colors. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be the orange first, you know, the orange flying saucer. Right. Well, that's your trademark. Uh, yeah, right. It's the, the crazy orange color. And um, so I remember there was like a NAM where I brought that along. I had all my artists take the picture. <laughs> they didn't know what it was. There's all this thing in the head. We'd like, yeah, like I got a flying saucer in my head, but but it's really like I said about that small. But um, yeah, yeah. And so, how long has uh, GoGo been around exactly? We we are on our tenth year now. Yeah. So you've actually co- accomplished quite a bit, you know, in in that short period of time because you've got a lot of great. You got Stanley Clark, and you've got a lot of really you know top players yeah. that are using your yeah. Belt. We, yeah, you know, Stanley Clark and Ron Carter and, you know, um, to, you know, to the Johnny Highlands. I mean, and, I mean, the list just goes on. You know, you know, you got the guys from Rat and Warrant and yeah. um, Ice-T. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. Um, in the Latin world, you have, you know, I'm not sure if you know about the guys like Mana or Ricardo Montaner, and, um, you know, Shakira. I mean, this, the, the list is just... We don't want her. We don't want her tuning nothing. We just want her dancing. That's right. <laughs> but the band, but the band still has to be in tune, right? Well, so. who's paying attention to the band and that? You know, That's right. <laughs> right. I mean, come on. Absolutely it's, right. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't argue with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's really cool. So, uh, um, you know, do you have any plans of making any other? Uh, you know, possible stop boxes or anything like that for the guitar world. Um, we're not sure yet. I'm, yeah. I'm still, I'm still contemplating on that. Um, so right now we're still, you know, I'm still, it's still, I'm, I have to decide. So, yeah. You know, I, I was just very proud that we're um, with a lot of brands, except for maybe one, maybe two. Um, the tuner. It was always an afterthought in their in their product offerings, mm-hmm. and with us, that's that's what we do. We we live and breathe tuners. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I don't want to dilute what what we we do. Yeah, no, I get it, and, and it's really one of the most valuable assets that a guitar player has, right. unless you just happen to have, you know, the hearing of perfect pitch and can. Uh, you know, I can't tune by ear, never could, you know, so right. so I need a good tuner personally. I, I really do like it, though. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. It's uh, Thank you. It's definitely the best tuner that I've had, you know. I appreciate that. Thank it you. is. It, the construction of it's well and the, the way that it looks, you know, is is unique. And I love the fact that it is so, so big. I mean, that's, I mean, it takes up a little bit of real estate for a tuner, but you know, it's, it's definitely worth it in my, right. in my book, in my book. So, so I'm guessing that the, the construction of it being horizontal was because everybody else has the stop box look and right. this gives you something unique. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a futuristic type of design. Yeah. And it's actually an optical illusion that like the one that you have the horizon, yeah, it takes up real estate going left to right. Right. But actually, if you put that against like a a standard pedal, mm-hmm. 
it actually is about three quarters size of a standard pedal. Yeah. It just gives the illusion that it's bigger than what it is. Yeah, I can I can get that. Yeah, I see that. I see that. It depends on you know how you. Some guys put their tuners on sideways on their on their boards. Right. You know what I mean and stuff like that. I can't do that because I can't see, so I have to be able to see it clearly. In that, yeah, so. well, some people do it very unique. I mean, like like uh, like Stanley, it was a very unique how he uh, uses the pedal. He like he actually used that same pedal, the Horizon. He actually leaves it on the top of his amp and runs it through like a, either it's, it's gotta be running through like an effects loop or running through some other, um, you know, maybe some sort of mixer, but it's on the entire time. So when yeah. he just looks back, it's on, you know, he doesn't, you know, I mean, and it's, you know, well, he's a big guy anyway, right? He's six, yeah. four, six, yeah. five. And um, yeah, so it's, it's his height. He turns around, he can see if he's in. And um, I, I have to say one of my proudest moments is, I went to see him play in, in Chattanooga and I was probably about like 80 rows back. And it's the first time I saw him using the tuner, you know, live at a gig. And I saw it on top of uh, his amp and I was in the last row. Yeah. And I was like, and I could see it changing, you know, from attitude to in tune. I yeah. thought it was, it was, it was, it was a cool experience. Like in a lot of ways, it's, it was a surreal experience because you're know, growing up. I was a return to forever fan, you know, I mean, Al DiMiola and Stanley right. and all, you know, right. so to, to see Stanley using it and I'm in the back, we have videos of Stanley using it and from, you know, I'm in the back room. I'm like, wow, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, you know, and then on top of it, his idol, Stanley's idol, which is Ron Carter, he uses it as well. Wow. So. That's pretty cool that you could see it that far back because once again that was one of the things that I noticed that I could see it clear as a bell, you know, which really helped out a lot because you know sometimes you know you're, you know who who the hell knows what you're doing on stage, you know, moving around in this and that, and uh, you know when you have it set so that it's always on, which is what I like, you know what I mean? You just flip down your volume and hit any note, and you can just tune right there on the fly because you can see it from such a far right. distance and that. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I'll tell you what, man, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're a guy who's really, you know, waist deep into all of this because between your history of what you've done before and what you're doing now, making music, you know, the albums that you're working on now and the people you're playing with and you got this. So I got to ask you the, the company that you had where you repped, other instruments or other pedals and stuff do you do that anymore or is your whole focus on go-go in your own musical career well i have a very uh unique role <laughs> in our industry so um this is brand um sawtooth guitars which is i have a fine sawtooth actually right here this is one of their parlor guitars yeah this thing really is nice. absolutely amazing it's actually I put this up against playing against a jumbo. Really? And this parlor actually had more bass and depth against a competitor's jumbo. And um, it's funny, the main owners were asking me about, like, yeah, they thought I was just like, you know, like not, you know, blowing smoke. I'm like, no, this parlor sounds that good. And uh, so I did a, uh, this, a video for my phone and I played the parlor versus the jumbo. I go, guess which one is what? And they picked the wrong guitar. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, so for, um, GoGo is obviously my baby. It's, you know, 
I'm, I'm the CEO and founder of GoGo, and for a company called Sawtooth Instruments, and they also have a full line accessory called Chromacast. Mm-hmm. And when I say they have everything accessory world for the musician, they have everything in, <laughs> and then some. And for that company, I'm the uh, director of North America Sales for for that organization. And um, and then there's this Chinese billionaire tech company that we it's called um, uh, Sabin Tech, and we make this thing called the Smart Mic. And that company, I'm, I'm an independent senior vice president of that company, and we make Bluetooth mics that are literally this big. They're the size of a quarter of a pen. Yeah. And it's the only Bluetooth mic. So you can use it with the Android. You can use it with uh, any iPhone. Uh, but you can edit the audio and video in real time. So for the guys doing Instagram Live, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, you can get audio to match the quality of your video on the fly. Wow. And you can also pair up two of them if you want. So if you and I were doing it like in Instagram Live, you can put one microphone, I can put one microphone, and we can e- you know, we can EQ it accordingly. Yeah. You know, so, um, so that company, I'm a, I'm a senior vice president of that company. And then, um, and then of course, you know, putting out the, uh, working on the two records, one with the band in theory, it's the hard rock band that I'm doing in Muscle Shoals. And then I'm working with Lanisha from Stevie Wonder's band, working on that record. So yeah, that's, that's sort of what I'm doing. I have the GoGo, Sawtooth Chromacast, the Sabin Tech Company, and finishing up uh, these two records out here at Muscle Shoals, and yeah. that's my life. That's my life. <laughs> so, so you're like me. You you have you have a hat that has many hats on it, and it's like one minute it's go go, and then you turn it and it's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's hard. That's hard. Now, are you uh, are are you uh, uh, an owner? Are you part owner in all those companies as well, or? Like Sawtooth, are you? Uh, uh, no, that- no, okay. just, no, no. But with the uh, sorry, with the Sabin Tech folks, we we have the CEO of North America and I. Like 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 what I just mentioned is not enough. But, you know, we're we're also designing our own you know USB mics and interfaces as well. And now that company, um, you know, I'm, I'm part owner in that company, and we're about to release something. I didn't really want to mention it earlier until we were ready to do the official launch, but um, you know, we're probably about four to six weeks out to our um, launching three three products. But with that company, I'm owner as well. Yeah, wow, you're just a busy guy, man. You know, but you know what? It's, it sounds like one thing. One thing I say about the Sawtooth guitars, I don't know a whole lot about them. I know that uh, uh, Michael. Um, Oh, oh Michael Badio. Yeah, Michael Badio. He plays them, and I see ads for him all the time on his stuff. And of course, you know he's flat out amazing, you know, right. as, a, as a player. But a uh, yeah. when I found out he was playing, which has been some time, but when I found out he was playing, and I, I remember I went to look at him, I was really shocked at the price point. You know what right. I mean? Because most guitars, man, it's like. You know, to get a good guitar, you know, you you know, t- I don't know, the price point of some of these guitars is just so astronomical, and they were so reasonable. Right, I think that's what surprised people about the brand. Yeah, that um, you know, I, I always tell or try to describe it in, in a way that 
it's at a certain price point, but what you get in quality is probably two notches up. Yeah. And no matter where you are in a product line, and um, you know, you know, maybe it's the consumer or the dealers and or industries. I think train people that a two hundred dollar this quality of a two hundred dollar guitar is acceptable, or this quality of a four hundred dollar guitar is acceptable. And what that's just uh, we were like, why? Why is that acceptable? Yeah, we we can make something. Why not make something better at that price point? And that goes for even you know our, our drum stuff and cajones and. Um, you know, I mean that, and that's the reaction. I mean, even our gig bags, people like they go, really, this gig bag is only X amount. It's like, yeah, it's only X amount. And um, so, I think we're pleasantly surprising a lot of people. And um, you know, I, I really feel that we were raising the bar of of the industry and, and the whole. You know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if other companies start trying to do the same thing. You know, and because, so, you know, now, now they know, I think that as more people buy the product, um, they know this buying another brand at $200, this, it's no longer acceptable. You can yeah. get a great guitar for $200 or $300 or so, yeah. or a gig bag or, or you know, whatever, instrument drum as well. You know, it's funny, we have some guys, um, for instance, like our cajones are, you know, I mean, we do obviously have entry level and it goes up the, the price point, but um, we have guys that sell sometimes our cajones for double the price of the, uh, the, the, the map price. So they don't want to devalue the other brands that they have. Wow. And, um, you know, and, and they could easily do it with this, but, um, but yeah, you know, so we're, we're very proud of that. And, um, you know, definitely, I think, the fact that the, you know, the main owner, he's a drummer and I'm a guitar player. So we, we, you know, we definitely, um, are very cognizant on, on, you know, how things are built and how we want to position ourselves. And, you know, uh, you know, we can look at it as business guys, but we can also look at it as players. Yeah. Yeah. Now the, the equipment that's on the guitar, let's say the pickups, you know, in the bridges and things like that, are they made by your company as well? Are they their products? Are they th your bridges or, or pickups? Or are you putting in, you know, DiMaggio's and Seymour Duncan's and you know, no, things for the, like that? For, for, the, for the most part, it's, um, you know, just using, you know, what we're, what we're designing in the factory. Yeah. There's some exceptions, like in a lot, of, like the parlor guitar I just showed you, you know, that one has Fishman pickups in it. Right. You know, or Fishman preamp. So, and, and some of them, yeah, we, we do upgrades and, um, you know, some we're, we're using uh, like the German Floyd Roses and, and so forth. But um, it all depends on which model. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the company that's attached to a Sawtooth that makes all the products, so they, they have bridges and input jacks and tuning pegs and all that kind of stuff? Well, well, it's a very unique position because they also, um, I think what makes us kind of unique is we also own um, several of the factories overseas where a lot of other manufacturers, um, you know, you, you're, you know you're, you're, they're sourcing it out and essentially putting right. your logo on it. 
Um, but we actually own it. We also have somebody who's there um, looking over quality control as well. So um, I think that's another reason why it's, it's a higher, higher level. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Now, so do you, so outside of the bigger companies, let's say there's a guy that wanted to start, you know, building his own guitars. Could he come to your company since you own the factories and say, Hey, I want to design my own style of guitar. And well, we, it all depends. Again, we, we've done yeah. it with, uh, with my, you know, Michael Badio. He's, you know, he's designed so many models for, for Sawtooth. Um, but even in that world, um, even in that world, like we'll offer things to dealers if they want to use their own color, like, or you change the pickup configuration. So, right. you know, a dealer can make their own unique model within our products as well. Right. Right. So if a dealer, so say like, if you like, say like this, like if you want to, you know, um, whatever, I don't want to make this in red instead of brown. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll do that. Sure. Right. So if a guy like me, you know, that has uh, a website that caters to, you know, roughly, you know, 80,000 guitar players a week, you know what I mean? Wanted to offer uh, sawtooth guitars in that I could actually maybe come to you and say, hey, I'd like to offer something really special to my to my audience. And, you know, here's what I'd like it to, to be and look like. And that's something that you work with people on. Yeah, well, we, we'll work with, uh, yeah, with music dealers that, mm-hmm. uh, right. You know, and there's, there's other factors involved with that, but yeah, but we work with uh, several music dealers to make unique files for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's always nice. I, I think I bought a, yeah, I noticed that some guitar, some guitar stores have stuff that's exclusive just for them. You know what right. I mean? Like, I think I bought a Telecaster that Sam blasted you know, where you feel the wood grain in it and it was only offered at Sweetwater. It was the only place you could get it. So it's kind of the same things, what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, I'll tell you what, man, you're, you're a busy guy. I I try. I try. (laughs) And and you're making an album, right? You're, you're doing two albums right now. Doing Two albums. That's right. right. And even like that's completely different spectrums, right? One's a hard rock, Soundgarden meets Zeppelin, and then the other thing is R and B. You take you know a little bit of Motown, you take a little bit of gospel, you add a touch of Muscle Shoals, and I always say like a touch of Mike. What whatever whatever I do, you know, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit of um, I, I I can't really define it, but I you know I had some um, DJs and hosts they did define it like a touch of Mike. What, whatever he does, <laughs> he does, you know. But I think that's what makes it kind of special. It's not yeah. my my influences of being exposed to R and B and blues and other genres. I don't think it's the same as as most folks. So I'm almost approaching how how would a rock guy approach an R and B song? How would a rock guy approach a Muscle Shoals groove? Yeah, and 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 almost come up like with a balance, you know. That's the best way of describing it. And um, so I think it, it's, it creates a unique sound, it, you know, where not that it's bad to be a, a, a typical things, but I think when you hear just like, you know, all, all throughout, um, well, many genres, I mean, you're, 
there's, there's certain expectations, right? So that they know, okay, if you're going to come down to Muscle Shoals, it's this type of sound. If you're going to play with the Motown guys, it's this type of sound. If you're going to play, you know, you know what I'm saying, with, with whatever, the 80s metal, it's this type of sound. Right. And, um, yeah, so I just think the, it's, I don't know, it's just different. It's just the best way of describing it. And we're, and we're both, uh, I can tell that I'm pushing the Muscle Shoals guys a little bit out of their comfort zone, and in the same way they're 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 teaching me. And um, but I have to say, you know, one of the biggest things Jimmy, for me is, um, you know, getting to play with these these legends. And I have to say, one one you know one story is um, I'm not sure if you know who like Clayton Clayton Ivy. You know who he is? Yes, I do. Yeah. Have you, have you worked with him? I, I, I know I've you're never worked with him, but I, but I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he sold something like 400 million records and been there with Aretha to, yeah. you know, yeah, all, all these country guys. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, yeah, he's been around the block a little bit. And when I brought him in initially, I was more sort of like, you know, like Prince, you know, like people say, well, if you need Prince, you can't look him in the eye and it, all these like rules. <laughs> so when I was, when I was bringing in, uh, Clayton, well, first of all, I have to say, um, there's, there's a whole bunch of different stories I was introduced to the, the Muscle Shoals scene, but um, but Clayton was one of them. Clayton was, um, I had a choice of bringing in a whiz kid or Clayton on on this hard rock metal track. And, um, and I go, you know what? Clayton sounds kind of old school. I want, I want to, I'll go with, I'll go with Clayton. And at the time, I didn't know if he's done anything or not yeah. <laughs> until I Google him afterwards, you know, I'm like, Oh, right. okay. He's done this. <laughs> anyway. So they like, all right, he's going to come into the room. He's going to wear his mask. He's going to be, you know, he's not going to talk a lot. And, you know, so I got all these, you know, forewarned, he's not going to be the warm and fuzzy guy. And he's, he's in there, he's doing his thing. And just like on cue, here he is. He comes on time. He's got his mask straight to the, the live room. He's on his, he's on the habit doing his thing. And, um, and I, and also I see he's like berating the, like the engineer and the assistant engineer, you know, punch me on the, I tell you, punch me in the course. And he's <laughs> lashing out at everybody. And I'm sitting there and I'm soaking it in, but I, you know, but, but I got it. And I, I you know what, what, I could tell every time the song would pass by, I can he- see his mind working. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's definitely, you know, he's a genius at what he does. And I see that, you know, his mind was working. And actually, I appreciated that he was not there necessarily to be my friend, but he wanted to do the music justice. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I, to me that, you know, how can you not give respect to that? So finally, after he's berating everybody, <laughs> I, I hit the talk button. I go, hey, uh, Clayton, you know what? You're really not aggressive enough. And meanwhile, he's just so aggressive. Like, Look, you're not aggressive <laughs> enough. And on your spike, he was doing the, the spikes on the cube. And I go, I think you're missing the, the, the bottom two. You're missing two notes. You're dropping two notes every time. And honestly, I don't even know if he was dropping one, zero, three. <laughs> I just threw that out there at him. And he just comes in with a big grin on his face, and then, 
Yeah. That was cool. And then him and I had a thing going and uh, it was great. And then he came out of the live room and he looks at me, he goes, Hey Mike, thank you for letting me play real music. We don't get to do this down here. Yeah. So, and then wow. he took me to, an, and then he took me to another room and then he was like this, the 16 year old kid. He goes, let me tell you, I saw deep purple for the first time. And he's just telling me like, this reminds me of that, but it's like, more energy and he was so excited he was not what was described prior yeah and um so i brought him in for the, and then to 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 say how like how gracious this guy was to me the very next day he sends me a text thanks again but let me play real music i'm like wow to move this guy was the really big deal and um so the next session I brought him in was this big rock anthem song uh, called Heroes. And, you know, it's a very, it's a big chorus. And sure enough, here he is. He comes in from the live room and he's singing a song from the top of his lungs. He's just like, Ooh! and I'm like looking at this guy. And this time he was a completely different guy. We ended up talking for, you know, I mean, even before the session started, we, we talked for two or three hours before we even started. Wow. And as you know, like how it is, whether it's Nashville or, you know, the session guys, they want to do the session and get out. Session yeah. and get out. And this time he's talking about his bow. He's talking about his lawn. He's all, he's into his lawns, but by the way. But, um, <laughs> but again, he was just singing it and he goes, and he goes, that singer is so great. And Tony Cavino, who's just an incredible singer, um, you know, he, you know, he, he has a very, Tony has a very romantic view of the music industry. And I asked Clayton, I said, would you mind saying what you just said about Tony in the video? So he did a, a tribute video to Tony, say Tony, he goes, yeah, I followed my, my worst, you know, Southern voice, but he goes, you know, I, I don't know who you are there, boy, but all you know is that you you kick ass. Yeah. You remember you kick and he just and I said to Tony, he was like through the roof. And um so when I finally got him in for the next set of sessions, which was with Lanisha, and I had this really like a lot of great behind the scenes video. And again, here's this guy, you have to remember he was described as a surly, uh, you know, he could be high strung, you know, and he has expectations. And um and here he is. I mean, he's he's grinning from ear to ear and he's playing air piano and he's singing like, it's such a, like a pop song, almost like you took um, a Beach Boys pet sounds meets Henry Mancini with the touch of baby face and whatever <laughs> I do. And he's playing air piano. And the, I mean, the joy that this guy had on his face. Yeah. Like, again, I knew we hit it out of the park to move him. And it was the same for, for David hood, you know, who David hood is. Yeah. Um, same thing. I have footage of David play, and again, he's just smiles. He's like, you know, and, and no matter who we brought in, when we, like I said, we brought in Justin, who's done a thousand records. Um, you know, his reaction was, just, it was the same thing. It was, I just love recording with you because you, again, you, you challenge us to, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, and again, you know, I think it's a strong word where they say it's challenge. You know, I don't think it's necessarily challenge. I, I, I think I hear it with a different set of ears than they're used to. Yeah. 
And I think when people come to record here, they 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 come here for a specific sound. Right. So those guys are always playing in that box and right. you know, and I'm like I, I almost you know, there was a few sessions where I'm like, no, take the muscle shoals out of you because I know of course they can never take it fully out, but I'm like, no, just take it out of you and be you. Yeah. And when they did the, that, where I'm like, no, just be you. You don't have to, no, I don't want that, you know, what right. you're known for. I, just go for it. Like, go for what's inside. Right. And no matter who we brought in, you know, we brought in um, some of the Shoal sister who's, you know, they sang for, you know, Paul Simon and, you know, Linda Ronstadt and, and brought those folks in. And, you know, and their reaction was the same thing. Like, we don't get to do this. This is like, you know, not only obviously, and you know, they use the word challenging, but they go, but we don't get to do this. Yeah. You know, I'm having the show sister where they're doing da, 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 like, you know, very poppy type harmonies and they're doing like metal chants. Like, and you know, we're doing choirs. I brought this choir. Um, I, I call it the makeshift choir where it was, I brought in, you know, uh, Lanisha from Stevie Wonder, a show sister, this guy who I saw three or four weeks prior in a club out in the Muscle Shoals. He sounds just like Chris Stapleton. Oh, wow. And I said, I said, he's my baritone. And then I found a local girl in Muscle Shoals, uh, Caitlin, and she's a tenor in a real choir. So I made them my choir and we were just moving around the room in different positions. So, you know, like a real choir, you know, if you have 20 people in a choir, when the voice is hitting the microphone, some are 20 feet away, some are five feet away, you know, and so right. forth. So it had them moving around the room. You know, some were standing on boxes, then we have them sit the flat, then we turn the mic around, and we just layered choir, you know, four was, you know, quartet over and over and over. It was almost 32 voices. And then I had wow. each buddy, everybody in that choir also do their parts individually four times as well. And then, um, you know, so it's been, a, you know, it's kind of cool. And the same thing, they were just like, wow, this is, we don't get to do this. And then I brought in the guys from the uh, Alabama Orchestra, brought in the quartet, and we, we did the same thing with those guys. And for them, again, to be on a rock track or an R&B track where they normally, they don't, they don't get to do that. Right. And, um, but the reaction's been the same no matter which musicians I brought in on, on this side. Yeah. You, you know, that's that's really cool because uh, you would think, you know, people go there for that specific Muscle Shoals sound. You know what I mean? But I, I think it's really cool that you recognize that these are talented musicians, regardless of the Muscle Shoals history, and right. that they can just flat out play and you just want them to be themselves in you know, exactly. and, you know, that's really cool. And I can see how a musician would, you know, respect that, you know. Right. All right. That's a cool picture. Oh, hold on a second. I lost you for a second. <laughs> where are you? I'm right here. All right. Where is this thing? Where are you going? Where, 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 where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? What guitar were you holding in that picture? And which, which picture? I don't know. It was, it was a black and white picture. 
Uh, the guitar uh, looked like a was burst the, almost. Was it the Black Gibson? White, or... I, you couldn't tell. It, it didn't look like a Gibson. It looked like it was off a little bit. You know what I mean? The the body. Just, um... But it looked like a burst. Of some sort. Was I wearing a hat or what was No, the... no, you had a black shirt and a, I mean a black coat and a white shirt and a lightning bolt guitar strap. Oh I, the... I had a detail on it. Yeah. On that I think <laughs> that one was actually um that Fernandez, the Paul Reed Smith one. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, well, that, the, uh... the, the body uh uh the like this, oh, here. the color in the body. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So this is a twenty-four frets with a small neck. Yeah. Jumbo jumbo frets, eighty-five, eighty-one. Yeah. And like I said, it's um, I have big hands. Yeah. And um, I mean, this this will allow you, like, if you see here. Yeah. Wow. Where I, I mean, I can stretch from the stretch from the fifth fret to the twelfth fret. Oh my lord. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, easily, and then I can go from twelve fret. That's like my uh, foot, man. My foot is like the twelve fret to the sixth fret. Yeah, and, and I can almost go. I'm going from the twelfth fret to the twenty third fret on my stretches. Wow. Wow. And um, and this one's been my, you know, I, I'm surprised I still have it after all the. I've had this one since '86 or so. Yeah, and it's just this it was all tore up, and um, and when it came to Muscle Shoals, I had um, had it just restored and had it fixed up, and thank God they were able to fix it up, and you know, and because I'm used to this type of you know feel, you know, and it's not too many guitars A with 24 frets, yeah, you know, and B with 24 frets and a small neck, yeah. Yeah. So, for, so again, in this, you know, it's it's funny because people says, well, it looks like you're, it is effortless, but yeah, this makes it. In a lot of ways, it does make it effortless to play, but like I said, but it's very not forgiving once you land on the note. Yeah. Yeah, looks like a nice guitar, and you said it, it's got EMGs in it. Is that what it's you got said? an eighty-five, eighty-five, eighty-one. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see like how you know like. They try to fix it, like <laughs> at the end. Of, there you go. You know, um, but yeah, I've had this thing for forever. But this is my my main my main guitar for almost everything that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that pickup configuration. I actually, you know, being a being known as a blues guy or even a blues rock guy, in that EMG pickups are not the the pickup of choice, you know, by guys in, in that world. And I used to right. be, I used to be endorsed by EMG. And so, uh, I actually, I actually love their pickups personally, you know, I've, yeah, got, me too. I've got a, uh, I've got a Charvel that looks like a Les Paul that's got the same pickup configuration. And then I got, I got a Strat that's got the Kurt Hammett set in it. And then I got a Strat, okay. then I got a Strat that's got the Steve Lukather, you know, essays, EMG essays in it, and that I, I love. By the way, I, by the way, I didn't get to check out your videos of you playing. Oh yeah, Sorry. awesome. You're a great player. Well, I appreciate that. I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. I really do. I know. I, 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 I have to say, you, you're. Uh, I love that you have that tone. 
the tone. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You got, you, magic, you got magic in your fingers. <laughs> I mean, isn't that all we do is search for that? You know, all day long. No, you, you got know? it. No, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what to expect, and I you know I put it on. I'm like, wow, he's got the tone. He's got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You know, it's taken. Uh, I know for me, it's taken me a, a lot of time. I've, 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 I get, I, I land somewhere and then, you know, and I'm happy for a moment. And usually it isn't too long before I'm not happy. You know what right. I mean? And I got a sound that I, that I hear in my head and I just, but I, I think I'm finally, I think I finally found the, you know, what works for me. So, uh, right. you know, part, part of that was, was, uh, I've always been a, a single coil guy, you know, which, uh, oh, so you switch from single to home on I, most of your stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I, my confession is, is I've always been a fender, you know, I've always been a fender player fender. I've always had strats and telecasters and, right. uh, a little over a year ago, I bought my first Ibanez one of the uh, prestiges, you know, one of the AZs oh, okay. and yeah. uh, absolutely loved it. Loved the sound of it. Turned around and bought their, uh, their version of a 335. It's like the John Schofield model. And right, that, right. that guitar, man, the pickups in that guitar are just friggin' amazing. And so, uh, and, and that in conjunction with, my pedals and the amps that I'm using, it just, I just found what I've been looking for my entire life. And so, you know, I could die tomorrow and I'd be a happy guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm still on my quest. <laughs> but like, like this thing, I was actually really happy to find. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, technically I borrowed it from the studio, but I'm not giving it back. And, um, but I did most of the writing for the, for the album with this thing. Really, and I call it, I call it the magical twelve string. Um, it's a it's a Martin DXM, but um, the, you know it's again by accident. But the problem with this guitar, they actually have the um, the these strings are actually backwards. You know, like usually you have the low note first and then the octave. Yeah. Here they have all the high strings first. Wow. And it gives us like almost a more of a like a. There's a lot of piano harmonics and overtones to it than a 12 string. And then this one, I'm also using this all open G tuning. So it's kind of interesting. So if you took like Zeppelin meets a grand piano, that's what this thing is. <laughs> if Zeppelin and the grand piano had a baby, it'd be that Martin, right? <laughs> it would be that Martin that's never going back. <laughs> staying in my living room and accidentally going to the studio and coming home with me again. <laughs> <laughs> but um but i already told the, the guy that so he's actually kind of cool with it so well, i'll get him another 12 string but i'm going to keep this one that's really that's really generous of him you know a lot of people be screaming give me my guitar back now, but i think I you know it is but i think i think because i'm the only one that feels uh that strong about it you know i think it's <laughs> you know it's not it's not the highest price uh martin as we know but for me, I, I just, yeah. as a songwriting tool, it just opened my my eyes and ears to so many, um, so many different things, you know, just sonically and um, yeah. So I was like, that that was it. Like, like for me, if, if a riff sounds good on that, it'll translate great up to my electric. 
I, yeah. I can already hear where it's going to go to my electric. Yeah. And, so, uh, uh, so what kind of amps are you using? You know what I? You know what's so funny on on this recording? Um, I'm using an old. Uh, it's an old Ampeg. Uh, what's it called? Is it a RetroJet? Is that what they call? Is it a RetroJet? Uh, I I know they had one called Retro something, but I yeah, it's an old one that they have at the studio, and um, it was just one of those things. Again, it was a little bit of a. As as you'll see, this is a recurring theme now. Remember, I told you I forgot my slide. I had to go and use a battery. Yeah. Uh, when I made the GoGo record, believe it or not, and even though there's a big metal sound and the tones are on that album are great, what I actually recorded that whole record on will actually probably surprise you. Actually, let me let me show you what I used without endorsing them. But so on the GoGo record, I used this. This little thing. Oh wow! And I ran it through a 412 cabinet. You're kidding. And it's just five watts, and this is a um, their version of a um, a rectifier. It's a hot. So it's called hot something, isn't it? Right, hot tone. Yeah, hot tone, hot one, whatever they call it. Yeah. And I use that for almost every almost every track on the GoGo record. And when I started writing this new record you know, two things happened. I was reading an article on Dave Cobb on how he produces and stuff. And, um, and they were talking about how he finds, you know, like Dumbles and, and some of these other older amps. And I was actually surprised to find out that he actually puts all the amps on never past three, you know, like on the older amps, like you think like Zeppelin or, or like ACDC, you're getting not necessarily gain but you're you're getting a break up of the speaker because your the volume is so loud right and he never put anything past three and i'm listening to like rival sons and some of these bands and the guitars are you know dirty and big and but i read this whole you know article uh, it was in premiere guitar i think you know and uh, or youtube or both and i was like really he put on three like that's interesting and and I just left it there. And then I went, when I went to the studio to start cutting out some demos, sure enough, guess what I forgot? This little, this little bad boy here. And again, just by chance, the, um, because of COVID, my main engineer couldn't work at the studio. So he gave me his assistant just to help me put down some tracks. And sure enough, the, the, uh, the assistant, was the assistant engineer of the Rival Sons record that just won the Grammy for Best Rock Album. So he worked with Dave Cobb at RCA Studios and Muscle Shoals when uh, Rival Sons did that record. So he, when so when he suggested, he goes, Mike, let's go use this Ampeg. Yeah. I'm like, you know, if, again, if I didn't see that article three days prior, I would have, my natural inclination of, no, let me go with a, a little bit more high gain, you know, like my old JCM 800 or 900 or right. the rectifier or, or something similar. And I just remember that article. I said, sure, let's give it a shot. So I used that with the, with the full tone uh, OCD pedal. Yeah, which is a great pedal. And, that, and, th and that's it. That's, that's the sound of all the heavy guitars that you're hearing on, um, on, on the new In Theory record. And it's big. I mean, it's, it's the, the, the guitars on that sound like, 
you know, and meanwhile, it's just what a one ten inch speaker. Yeah, it's like that did, big yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, but yeah, but we ran that, and then one of the things that I love about that recording studio called East Avalon is that this guy, he's he's sort of a, um, I don't know what you want to call it. He's like a gear hoarder, a pedal hoarder of like, you name it, all weird gears in his place. And he doesn't even know what, like what he has, and but he'll know what it does. Yeah. And I remember I go, you know, I said, do we have anything like an octave pedal? And I was going to use like an octave. No, first, I was going to use like an, an app, you know, like a plugin. Yeah. So I, he goes, I have an octave pedal here. You should check it out. And it has no name on it. It's an old analog pedal, like from the 70s or something. But it gives you an octave below and an octave above. But it also acts as a fuzz pedal. Oh, yeah. But it is just so mean. It's just, that's the best way to describe it. It's, just a, it's a pissed off pedal. Yeah. And um, sure enough, you know, I'm using that. Actually, that's stuck in a little bit on the Gogo record. But that's definitely underlying on the in theory stuff. That guitar is always in there somewhere. Yeah. And then I, on some parts, I'm adding the. I have original the original Digitech uh, whammy pedal. You know, like you know, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm of course I'm a, uh, a Tom Morello fan, and you know, right. Raging Against the Machine, and you know, obviously he's known for the um, his use of the whammy pedal. So yeah. I'm using that original one with the fuzz because the, the only thing I, I didn't like with that if you try to play um a little too fast it, it, it won't it won't track but if you're just doing almost like uh you know a slower riff like it's right it, it gives it that ooh you know yeah you know like i mean you it, it does you know like i said it's just a mad pedal and um yeah, and then like I said, so I used that on, on the on the majority of the octave parts combined with the whammy, and that's it. The Ampeg amp, the OCD um, pedal, and that old analog uh, octave pedal, and um, and then the whammy pedal thing was sort of a, um, something I had. It was actually in my my storage. I didn't I didn't use that for fifteen years. Yeah, and. Um, but all I remember is like, you know, I said, but I, I wanted to practice like if I was going to do like unison lines with the bass player. So I remember I had that in my, in my closet. So I was, uh, you know, so from my house, I was working with that so I can work on unison lines with the bass. And, um, but when I went to record, I'm like, it, it doesn't sound, it sounds like two um, keyboards in a way. Mm-hmm. And again, it was kind of like a, Look, thing I set up for a master class. You know, those, you know what that is, the master class series. Or, and they have anything from it's just called master class, um, and you can learn anything from cooking to oh yeah 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 know, yeah. I know what you're talking about yeah every, every kind of subject. And then they had Tom Morello had a master class, right? And so they had a, a chapter on how he has his settings. Oh wow! And sure enough, I thought the settings were something completely different. And he goes, no, you know, not that he said no, but he goes, for my things, I use this. I go, oh, now I know when when I do it, it sounds like crap. So I I did his settings. (laughs) And um, so then, you know, there's parts where I'm taking his settings and um, 
and I started discovering a little bit more about the Wyoming Pella as, as, as well, where, where I have it set using the octave below, the octave with the fuzz from the other one, using a third, using a fifth, and an octave above, and just blending them all right underneath. You know, it's kind of very interesting, you know, so. Yeah. It's been That's quite an cool. adventure. I, I, I actually, uh, I love a lot of the low wattage things. I think it was a couple of years ago when they started coming back around more popular. You know what I mean? All the companies started coming out with a seven watt head and a five watt head and a 20 watt head. Mm -hmm. And that I got into that pretty heavy, you know, as a matter of fact, if you, if you know, just behind me, I, I don't know, there's probably, there's probably four amps back there and all the heads they're they're you know marshals and boogies and that but they're all you know 20 watts you know right, right. the quilters i use the quilters sometimes oh yeah the quilters back. sound good yeah, yeah i tell you what man they did a good job the quilters <laughs> you can't you know i use them for rehearsals just because it's you know and i use one as a backup you right. know i take one with me because in case a head goes out or something but uh Man, they've come up with some stuff nowadays that's just, you know, you never, you know. And I yeah. love it because you can travel light. You don't need a 100-watt head in order to get your sound. You know, you can actually do it with a 20-watt amp. And, right. right. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to break your back or the soundman's ears or, you know, don't get yelled at no more like I used to. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but you know what? I'm sure we we both still like it loud. Oh uh, man, you like to feel that air pushing on the yes, back of your legs. Yes, yes. You know that's that's it right there, man. You want to feel it? I think you want everybody else to feel it too. Most definitely, most definitely. I even went to using two twelve vertical cabinets, slant cabinets. Really? And, okay. Yeah, instead of four four twelves and that, it's like uh, now when I go out, I'll use two. I got a Mesa Boogie that I use, and I got a Marshall one that I use, and uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I've just, I've slimmed down, and I, you know, the sounds really, really, it's really good without, you right. know, I mean, it's not the same yeah. as having, you know, four twelve. I mean, there's a lot more air. It feels like coming out of that cabinet with a hundred watt head, but you can still get the same effect. Yeah, no, I, I, I use a one twelve. You know, it's my, my main thing. Yeah, you know, it's just a custom-made cabinet, and uh, seems to do the trick. For me. Yeah, well, I tell you what, Mikey, it's been really cool talking to you. You know, yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on the show, and you know, we we covered a lot. <laughs> we did cover a lot, and uh, we're gonna do a demo on uh, the Horizon Tuner. That's what we're gonna put on Guitar Talk TV, and we'll put out there for everybody awesome. to see as well in that and uh and when your albums are getting close to to drop in let me know you know well we have a few singles out i can i'll send you some in for a pre pre-release sure yeah very cool you know we'll share it with people and uh, you know and uh, when the albums come out we'll do a review on it and you know maybe have you back on and promote the albums that'd be great i appreciate that yeah well that's what we that's what we want to do in that and so uh I love the tuners. I'm going to say it. I love the tuners. I really do. I'm glad you love the tuners. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And like I said, it's good It's good for us blind guys. Yeah, it is. It's real good for us blind yeah. guys in that. And uh, I apologize for uh, for being late. No, not know, a problem. My, not a problem at all. My life has been a little crazy for, for a number of days. And uh, I'm normally Johnny on the spot, but... <laughs> 
Right. No, no problem. You know, and, and thoughts and prayers to your dad, you know, so I appreciate that. I yeah. really do. Speedy recovery. You know, it's yeah. Um, unfortunately I'm in, I'm in the same boat as you. So the, the conditions with, uh, well, my father is the same as yours, so really, I, I get it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, it's almost it's, almost identical. So it's it's extremely difficult. And that is is your is your is your mother still with you? I mean, yeah. she's okay. Yeah, my my mother's you know and father both live in in an assisted living place, but it's uh, it's not like a it's not a nursing home. They're on their own, pretty much. You know what I mean. Right. And, that, and uh, it's really hard for my mom because she has to care for him. You know, you, you're yeah. going through the same exact thing. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Does and they're fighting him? tooth and nail. You know, we're, she, we're, they're she, fighting. She I, I just say they're fighting tooth. Um. No, but but I say, but they, they they're fighting tooth and nail for the independence. You know, and and uh, that's 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 a battle, yeah. as you know. Yeah, mine is my dad wakes up every day and doesn't know who she is, you know, and so there's this whole thing about, you know, I don't know you, I need to get out of here, and it's crazy. It's really, it's, it's yeah, a hard, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to go through. It's it's really yeah, difficult. Yeah, mine's not, my, I wouldn't say, he has moments like that where he'll, he'll forget, um, you know, who his best friend is, or he'll see people, or that aren't there, you know, that, that yeah. you know, he'll wander off. And sometimes he doesn't recognize my mom when they go out. Yeah. So she'll, she'll try to remind him like, you know, here, they look at my shoes, look at my shirt and try to recognize that, you know? And, um, I know there, there's times when they're out that he, you know, she has to remind him like, well, it's, it's me, it's me, it's me. And then it, it takes him a bit and then he's okay. You know? And, and every day is different. Some days, you know, I have to say, some days he's he's way sharper than I'll ever be. And then there's days where he's just having a bad day. Yeah. Unfortunately, my father's, you know, far beyond that because he doesn't know anybody. And he hasn't known anybody for a really long time. And, and he his conversations are, they don't make any sense at all. Mm -hmm. he doesn't, you know, he doesn't make any sense. And, yeah. Well, uh, I think in, in, in my, at least in, in our circumstances, um, they have a lot of friends in, in their neighborhood and their neighbors that look out for them. That's good. So like there's eight to 10 neighbors that, you know, they, they report to my sister or myself and <laughs> they let us know of every little thing and they try to take care of them and help them with, you know, with a lot of things. So, you know, that's good. And, know. and they're friends. So they're, they're they're getting a lot of still a lot of social interaction as well. So Yeah, that's um, nice. So I think I think that helps or helps with the blow of it. Because if the thing was just them by themselves and and there was a level of isolation, um you know, I think you I think you would see a further deterioration at, at a yeah. faster rate. Yeah, I, I think that's what I think that's what happened with my father. I think the whole being locked down over the last year you know, and they haven't been anywhere or really seen anybody. I haven't seen my, my parents, you know, I, I don't know, March last year, you know, something right. like that. And so, yeah, uh, I'm fortunate that I've seen them a bit. Uh, yeah. My sister hasn't, um, cause she's up in New York and obviously New York with the quarantine going back and forth. And, yeah. um, for me, they're, they're a three hour drive from me. So, 
Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. Well, I wish you all the best with that because I know how difficult. Oh, you it is. too. You know, oh. and that, Mike, it was great talking to you. All right, there you go. That's Mike Mozart, and I want to thank him so much for being on the show. Make sure you're following his band called In Theory. Uh, and also check out Go Go Tuners and Sawtooth Guitars, man. Go to those websites. There's a lot of, you know, there's some good stuff there. Um, I use Go Go Tuners personally. I absolutely love them. So, uh, you know, he's he's a genius. He is. He's kind of a genius, this guy is. So make sure you're following Mike on social media, uh, on Instagram and Twitter and all those good places and that. And, uh, man... Get the music, you know, when the In Theory band puts their album out. Make sure you get that. And if they go on tour, you know, support them. There you go. So thanks to Mike for coming out. I really appreciate it. It was a great opportunity. Now, uh, you know what? I want to make sure that you're going to our website at guitartalkofficial.com and signing up for our email list. Now, I'll tell you what. Once a month, we send out a newsletter that has everything that's going on for the month. We try to keep you posted as much as we possibly can. But just so you know, we just uh, released a demo and a review on a overdrive pedal called the Lila Drive on our Gear Life channel on uh, Guitar Talk TV. Also, in the next week, we're going to drop an episode of Hidden Gems, a new episode that's going to have Rob Balducci uh, who is a guitarist on Steve Vai's Favored Nations label. He is a, a, a great player, <laughs> really, really great player. You should follow this guy on social media as well. He's always putting out really cool videos of him playing in his studio. Of course, he's in New York, so he's still, you know, hunkered down like like many are in that area. And so uh, he's putting out some really good content. So make sure you go there and check him out. Uh, we've got a uh, demo and a review on the Boone Music Box pedal, which is a chorus tremolo pedal from Boone Froggett, the artist, uh, uh, the guitar player. And so um, it's it's a great pedal. I've actually played the pedal before I sent it off to Federico in order to do the demo. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that one as well. And then we've got three pedals that we're going to be demoing and reviewing overdrive pedals, actually, from LPD Pedals. So you want to stay posted for that. Now, next Wednesday, yeah, if you really like the jazz, you know, jazzy blues kind of uh, thing, you know, you're really going to love my guest next Wednesday is because it's Guy King. He's originally from Israel, lives in Chicago now. I could probably throw a stone from my house and hit his, maybe. I don't know. My arm's not that good, really, because it's probably about an hour. <laughs> but he's a he's just a wonderful player, superhuman being, and you're going to enjoy it. He's got a new album called Joy is Coming that's about to release, so you're going to uh, have to check that out, you know. And you can find out more about him at GuyKing.com, of course. And so we're looking forward to having him on next Wednesday. And just so you know, I'm going to throw this out there. Two weeks from today, I've got Marcus Dumel, uh, guitarist for Arrowhead and the Blue Poets from Germany, that's going to be on. Man, he is. Uh, he's, he has a label called Triple Coil Music. You know, he's got some products, you know, that he's, uh, 
you know, built. He's got a couple of pedals. He's got the Sweet T Overdrive and some different things in that. But he is, man, I got to tell you, he's one of my favorite guitar players. He really is. He just, he's something about the guy. I just I absolutely dig. So you're going to dig it too. So that's in two weeks. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you come back next week. For Guy King, you can catch all the uh, uh, archives at guitartalkofficial.com. You can even watch some of them on Guitar Talk TV. More are being added to that uh, all the time. And so, uh, once again, thanks a lot. And I will see you guys next Wednesday right here on Guitar Talk. Thanks a lot.